Welcome to the internet. Live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah, this is the Redline Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fielder, and these are my co-hosts. Kyle Holland and... Connor Dunstan, feeling slightly as though he has been conspired against. <laughs> oh, okay, I see how it is. Well, I'm the one in charge now, and today we're going to be talking about streetcars, the transit giants of the past, and quite possibly the future. As always, we're going to go over a short history of streetcars, then talk about what's going on with them today. Cue the theme music. So, Alex, you gotta tell me, what is a streetcar? A streetcar is defined as a light rail vehicle operating mostly or exclusively in mixed traffic. They mostly operate as like single units. Just like one S70 or whatever, like like the S line, except yeah, it's like the S on line. the street. Well, because I guess that that's is a why they call it. Yeah. It's not a streetcar; it's a branch <laughs> line. We've been oh. over this. <laughs> Yeah, they're usually lighter, well, much lighter than normal light rail carriages. Yeah. They're also a lot more frequent with less stops than light rail. Ah, gotcha. So, like, we're talking light rail light, like L-I-T-E. So, light (laughs) rail light. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like a bus on rails. Yeah. Sort of like that. It's a really good way to provide local service. Excellent. You know... I wish we had streetcars still. Yeah, and unlike a bus, it'll last you for a few decades. It's electrified, high capacity, all the good stuff. The Salt Lake Trolley Company. Oh, rest in peace. (laughs) So, the history of streetcars began in the 1820s, when the omnibuses, or buses pulled by horses, emerged as the first form as urban transportation. Um, Public transit was originally operated by private companies, that's fair. A lot that, of, like, early city building was done with a lot of private industry and a lot of just slowly building up as the economy grew. And, I mean, back in the day, you could probably actually make a buck off public transit because it didn't have the massive cost inflation it does now. Yeah, and you could charge a fair price for it. You didn't have to compete with massively subsidized road infrastructure. That's true. So, basically, when we got these omnibuses, and they're like... These horses, they're pulling people around the cities, clippity-clop, on a wagon or whatever. Whatever they had back then. I'm sure it wasn't rubber tires. Some absolute chad of a brilliant genius was like, huh, so what if, correct me if I'm wrong here, we put, like, the horse cart on rails so it can go faster and have less rolling resistance. That's genius. Stop driving it if you do it. I know. (laughs) I know. Absolutely genius. And thus... The streetcar. What a brilliant innovation. I know. Solving so many technical problems. Just literally just a piece of metal. That's it. Two pieces of metal, but yeah. Yeah. From there, the streetcar blossomed across the U.S., from New York to San Francisco. And at first, there were three ways of getting around. The horse, of course. The absolute (laughs) OG of pulling things. Yes. (laughs) The OG horsepower. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, then there were the tram engines, like tiny little baby steam engines that pulled trams around. Very, <laughs> very cute, very small. That's so, so cute. <laughs> so it's like a DMU, basically. Like diesel multiple unit. It's like a light rail train, but it has like a big thing in the middle of it that just has diesel in it so it can move itself without... Uh, I've never heard Without of that. electricity. Uh, yeah. They have them in, like, Colorado. They're not very popular because for <laughs> some reason, and this is going to be a very hot take, uh, electricity more efficient than burning stuff. Yeah. And then the third uh, option was cable cars. Love like cable San cars. Francisco, pulled by a cable, of course. Just, <laughs> Hence the name. I mean... <laughs> People in the 1800s were so much smarter than they were. They're like, hmm, train must go uphill. Therefore, we will put cable in ground, pull cable, train move. Well, it's, there you go. Done. It's Easy. like a roller coaster. It's like much. a roller coaster, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know that streetcars were electrified eventually. Like, when? Uh, it was around, like, the beginning of the 20th century. And it kind of grew from there, because it was such a good idea, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why have your horse drag you around? <laughs> hop on the streetcar. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't electrify a horse. Trolley bus, question mark? Elon Musk, electric horse. <laughs> <laughs> Coming 2024. Elon Musk x Boston Dynamics, electric horse. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Oh, please, no. i definitely kill someone. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, like, so, trolley bus, question mark? Maybe electricity good? Yeah. Uh, let me look up when the electric motor was a thing. I think it's pretty old. It's very old. Yeah. Like, it's pre-us um, knowing how to generate significant quantities of electricity. As old as 1835. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty old. <laughs> so, LA's network in particular of streetcars was, like, particularly impressive. Didn't have, like, over a thousand miles of track or something. Yeah, thousands of miles thousands. of track. At its peak. Yeah. It was so popular, people would ride it just for fun. So... <laughs> Transit roller coaster question mark? Ooh. <laughs> Loop de loop. Loop de maybe not. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Bank tracks though. Bank tracks? Bank tracks. Yeah. Huh. On fast passenger rail systems. Okay, that makes sense. You can sense, even so, see yeah. it up at um the big turn between stadium and ninth east, there's slightly banked tracks there to facilitate the turn. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I have to keep an eye out for that. It evens out wear on the rails because you've, like, canceled out uh -huh. centripetal whatever. Well, aren't the wheels angled to kind of compensate for that? Yes. They just can't do oh, that they much. They can't do magic. Yeah. It's just small turns. And yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, by the turn of the 20th century, most cities and towns in the U.S. had pretty good streetcars, including Salt Lake City. Uh-oh. <laughs> this made me cry. In 1914... Oh. Over 38 million people rode the streetcar system. This is nearly twice the average tracks our light rail system ridership today, despite the fact that the population of the Salt Lake Valley at the time was less than 200,000. Nowadays, so, we have millions. So we have six times as many people connected to tracks as they had connected to their streetcars, and we have half the ridership. Um, Delightful. I don't think it's as connected as the streetcar was? That's probably true, but you have a pretty decent chance of being able to catch a bus. Yeah, buses count as part of the transit system. Yeah. So I guess we had um we had fifty million riders in twenty so so our ridership has grown by a factor of like what? Less than two. Less than two. 
and our population has grown by a factor of six. And it's still going up. Correct. Whereas ridership has stagnated. <laughs> but I guess know. that's what happens when you bulldoze your entire streetcar system. Yeah, no. And then are forced to rebuild it <laughs> starting in 1999. That's when the first tracks line opened. You know, we had trolley buses here also in the early 20th century. Like what? Some of the streetcar lines were too expensive to maintain for mm -hmm. the company that owned them, so they replaced them with trolley buses, which were also super popular. Cool. Wow. So they ran a for-profit transit system that was better connected and had much better ridership than what we have now. Oh, yeah. They had streetcars, they had interurban railways, they had uh, trolley buses, and they had regular buses, too, before the end. So it, it was it was actually quite impressive, Salt Lake Transit, back in the 30s, 20s, and 40s, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Before we were brainwashed by the car. <laughs> that was a hypnotism noise, if you couldn't tell. Well, basically, early streetcars, they were operated by two different kinds of systems. Um, the conventional, that ran along like busy city roads, and uh, they made very frequent stops for getting around town, mostly. So, yeah. like, Portland streetcar, it's on the streets of downtown, it just goes around, it goes like four blocks, makes a stop, four blocks, makes a stop. Yeah, that's your local service. It's, like, comparable to a bus, but better. Better yeah. bus. And there were also um, interurbans. They ran longer distances between cities. They're more similar to light rails today. Yeah. How there's stops every so often, not like close enough where you could comfortably walk between many stops. Yeah. But still good. And they ran in like mixed traffic and dedicated driveway rail lines. Yeah. So they're basically like we had light rail, then we tore it out, then we rebuilt it. So that's. That's kind of interesting that we did that. Yeah. I wonder if ye olde interurban system would have run down the same right-of-way tracks as on now. Oh, you see, the thing is that, like, I don't know about Salt Lake because tracks runs on an old freight railroad. Yeah. But in Portland and in L.A., as they've been rebuilding their light rail systems in recent years... Uh, most of their routes follow almost exactly like the routes that the old interurbans took, which I just find very interesting. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense because good, clear, straight, uninterrupted right-of-way is really hard to come by in an oh, already yes. developed area. Whereas if you've built your railroads before, you've built all your housing and your businesses and your arterial roads, then you're set. Yes. So interurbans like really were sort of the forerunners of modern light rail. It's kind of a shame we lost them, but what you gonna do? Build it again, but for more <laughs> money and less ridership. For so much <laughs> more money and so much less ridership. Yeah. Sad days. Well, yeah. either way, they're coming back. They are coming back. Thank Absolutely. Goodness. Thank mm -hmm. goodness. Um, yeah. But now it's time for the sad part. Tell me, Alex. How did the streetcars die? It's a conspiracy! <laughs> Wikipedia says it's a conspiracy that GM tore them all down, but... I would think it's a conspiracy to pin it on, like, one particular Fair. company's secret plot. But if you look at, like, the larger scale forces and lobbying and funding that were happening at the time... Yeah, it's not great. I mean, first of all, obviously, we've got that car-centric development we've been talking about for... you got your post-World War II boom. All three episodes where everything's just like, ha ha ha, time to tear down neighborhoods and build massive freeways over them. So that made building, you know, streetcars to all these little super undense places kind of hard, obviously. Uh, and then there was kind of a concerted effort from General Motors and other, like, auto industry interests to be like, hey... 
these are bad and stupid and we should build freeways instead and when we can't build freeways we should replace it with a bus because we can sell you gas and tires for that. How did they get convinced, though, that well, this was a good thing? I mean, it's because uh, streetcar ridership had very honestly been in serious decline for several decades. I mean, even before the post-World War II boom, a lot of systems were being shut down and torn out just because they weren't getting enough ridership already because of just the massive expansion of automobile traffic. Yeah, and the massive extension of the road network, because you've got to remember most of these streetcar systems were for-profit, so if you can't maintain your profit in the face of government-funded roads. That's right, you got to shut down. I mean, the 1930s and 40s, uh, we lost ours here in Salt Lake in 1928. Boise, where I'm from, we lost the Boise Interurban Railway and Caldwell Streetcar System. And then by 1960, Basically, all of them are gone, except for the cable car in San Francisco and the streetcars in New Orleans, which survive to this day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like night and day. And at this point, we're getting into the era of post-World War II freeway construction. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, was, it wasn't great that we lost all that, only to start rebuilding a lot of systems literally 20 years later, because uh, Portland... Built their first Max Line, 1976, which is less than 20 years after the shutdown of the last interurbans and streetcar systems. If only they could have held on longer. I know. Like, imagine if we'd held on to our streetcar systems. That's a good way of phrasing it, because it's not their fault that they went out of business in the face of government-funded infrastructure projects. No, they should have been taken over by municipalities like transit agencies are today and sort of preserved. Like, you could have cut back, obviously, and you probably would have had to, but should have at least saved the infrastructure. I I would kill to add a trolley in Salt Lake again. Oh, good heavens, yeah. Just some rational, simple napkin math could tell you that saving all that infrastructure and keeping it maintained in workable shape over the course of 40, 60 years is massively, massively cheaper than destroying it all, paving it over, and rebuilding it. The the thing is, I don't think they ever planned on ever needing to rebuild it Well, you see, they didn't think they'd ever have to rebuild it because the car is the thing of the future, And that's what we're going to do forever from now on. Yeah, that's the problem with the whole car boom, is there was very little consideration made for any other mode of transit. Well, yeah. feet or walking. (laughs) Feet. Feet, yes, feet, good. Or streetcars. Or or streetcars. Any rail service whatsoever. Yeah. Like, I'm all for good infrastructure projects, but it's not okay to completely destroy all other modes of transit in favor of what you think is the future. Well, and I don't know if you've seen the um, the pictures of just the L.A. system, because it got torn out. Like, they didn't just, like, leave the street tracks to rock. Like, they actively tore them out. You can see these pictures on the internet of just massive piles of, like, L.A. streetcars just sitting there waiting to be shipped to other countries where they were going to keep using them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or I've just seen. being torn apart and scrapped. What a waste. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of those pictures. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if they did that because they needed more road space or if they did that because of lobbying or what. You see, I'd, I'd like to say it was more of a symbolic thing, like very visible symbol of the car's triumph over public transportation in the streetcar. Well, it's pretty easy to just sit here and feel like they should have done the obvious thing, but 
Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and they didn't have it, so we can't exactly blame policymakers at the time. But I would be willing to bet that more than a few auto industry executives knew exactly what they were doing when they started lobbying for this. Yeah. What bothers me is that in some cities, Connor, let me know if you remember what any of them are. Mm-hmm. We were so close to preserving the streetcar and rail network. Uh between its downfall and the rise of interstate highways and car-centric design. Like, if we had had just a little bit more support from governments to keep these systems running and a little bit less lobbying from the oil and motor industry, it's possible that more of these systems would have actually survived. Well, that's right, because, I mean, like, the cable car system and the streetcar in New Orleans, they didn't all survive, but enough survived, and they're sort of still useful today. Like, they both get about 5 million rides a year, which isn't, like, enormous, but it's something. Yeah. It's something. But, as we've said before, good news, streetcars are back, baby! Oh, yeah. They're the new future. Because trains are incredibly futuristic. Because here in America, we somehow missed the whole thing where everybody else is building more trains. Yeah. yeah. We're special. Yeah. The modern streetcar, it kind of began with the light rail renaissance in the 80s and 90s. Originally, there were some heritage streetcars that were built between the death of the old streetcars and the new. Yeah. Um, but they were more for, like, sentimental reasons. It was uh, more to, like, reminisce on the past. And this is what I find so funny is, like, heritage streetcars is that people just built tourist trap streetcars in the same places they'd torn them out, like, 10, 15, 20 years earlier. Which is... Just for fun. Yeah, which is cute and all, and I really appreciate the sentiment towards streetcars. But it's but bonkers. You need them to connect to a functioning transit it's system bonkers. to do you any good. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the buses they have dressed up as old trolleys. Oh, yeah. Like, up in, uh, like, North Salt Lake in Ogden. Oh, my gosh. Those... Oh, gosh. So goofy. And then in Orlando, (laughs) the iRide trolley service. They've got a bunch of replica trolleys. Yeah. Oh, in my mom's hometown of Great Falls, Montana, they have an active transportation system, but they also just have this, like, guy who just drives around this bus he turned into the Great Falls historic trolley, which is just, like, something you can ride for free for fun. Because, you know, Great Falls, Montana, city of 50,000 people today, had an extensive streetcar network back in the day. Again, that's really fun, and I appreciate the sentiment, but that's no substitute for real infrastructure. <laughs> yes. It's, it's not even anywhere near close to real infrastructure. Yeah, no, it's, it's just a little fun thing, but it's just like, it's so bizarre to me that we built these heritage streetcars or these heritage trolley bus things, and we tore out our systems like 20 years earlier. It's kind of one of those things that is supposed to make you feel happy, and if you look into it a little more, you kind of realize what you're missing. Oh, wow, this is depressing, is what you think. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Guess that shows you where the government's priorities at the time were. Yes, but I guess back to modern streetcars. The first is in my favorite city, which we keep talking about because they have such awesome transit investment. Portland, early 2000s, baby. The Portland streetcar, the best streetcar system in the United States. Wait, so they didn't start building till the early 2000s? Till the early 2000s. Wow, because Tracks Light (laughs) Rail opened in 1999. Yeah, and well, Max in Portland, they're first thing opened in the 70s. So, okay, okay. like, this is a newer phase than light rail. Okay, mm-hmm. I so see, I this see. this is more of, like, a on-the-roads. The, yeah, this yeah. is, like, an actually on-the-road streetcar. Uh, it started with, like, 2.4 miles between Portland State and downtown Portland. Uh, and over the past 20 years, it's 16 miles of track. Pretty impressive. 
and three separate lines, and it's like a whole link-up thing between Macs and buses, and it's really cool. It gets like 16,000 riders a day. Are these streetcar lines mostly in the downtown area, or do we have good connections to more outskirty places? So the actual streetcar is mostly in downtown, but it does run across the Willamette River, which if you've been to Portland, you know what that is. And it has one line on the other side, but it's mostly just sort of linking up Max in downtown and slightly outside of downtown. Max, which is their light rail, as we've continuously said, uh, Max is like the thing that goes out more to create greater rail connectivity, I guess, whereas streetcar is sort of like a link-up and a circulator downtown, if that makes any sense. That makes sense. So you've got your local service and your longer-range service. That's right. And which, which is something that I would argue UTA is absolutely missing. Uh, yes, 100%. you got to have your separate like grades of service. You've got your local service, your streetcar, you got your light rail, your interurban, but still within one metro area, and then you've got your regional, or sometimes commuter rail. Depending on where you are. If you don't have that separation, you're losing out on a number of the benefits of the different levels of service. Like, you're losing out on the density of stops on a streetcar and the running in mixed traffic, but you're also losing out on the high speed of light rail systems. That is absolutely true. And, I mean, besides the, like, relatively high ridership of the Portland streetcar, which is very high compared to other streetcar systems in America, as we're going to find out, partially because it's larger, partially because it's in Portland, and they just... Downtown Portland, I guess, people got to get places. But... And believe it or not, if you care about transit and invest in transit, you'll get transit. I know. People what? ride it. Weird. What? So one of those, like, what are they calling them these days? cause and effect relationships. <laughs> yes, but even besides the pretty high ridership, I mean, it does up to 20,000 some days, which is very impressive. Uh, it's generated just like enormous amounts of development. Like, Oh gosh, if you, if you thought light rail systems attracted housing and mixed use developments like magnets. Developers love streetcars. Like, th that's their favorite thing to build around right now. Mm. It's it's pretty cool. And, I mean, the Portland streetcar was just, like, an immense success by anyone's standards. I don't care who you are. It blew out ridership predictions. It blew out development predictions. But it was just a massive success. So cities all over the country were like, hmm, I think I'll get in on that. And so Dallas, Seattle, Kansas City, Atlanta, and even Washington, D.C. built a streetcar. And here in uh, Salt Lake, we built a fake one. <laughs> <laughs> Our Trojan horse light Our rail Trojan line. horse light <laughs> rail line. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad we have a, at least a little bit of that streetcar fervor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be cool to have one downtown, though. Yeah. Yeah. On an actual streetcar vehicle. Once we bury tracks... Have a real metro. If, well, if, okay. I mean, it would be light metro if we buried tracks. We're big enough hey, for well, it. Well, we're getting big enough, for sure. Well, and our density is going to only increase because we've sort of run out of space to just, like, expand. Connor, you think if we buried tracks, we could just keep the old rail down 4th South and downtown and run a streetcar on it? I feel like that would be sort of redundant. Yeah, that's Cause, fair. I mean, the stops on tracks are local enough anyway that you wouldn't really need a streetcar. Yeah. I would say that we build, like, a few lines sort of running from downtown that connect all the different lines which are running underground out into other areas, dense areas of the city. So I think that would be really good because 
tracks is very limited in which areas it connects. Right, like you could run it up uh, Second South, which is probably the busiest bus line in Salt Lake City, (laughs) and would make a very decent uh, streetcar. So along the more popular bus routes, we should just have streetcars, maybe? Well, I think that would be an excellent idea. It's definitely more carbon friendly. Which so it's funny because the bus 21 goes down 21st South, which is exactly parallel to the S-Line fake streetcar. <laughs> yes. Gets more ridership, I think. I think. Um, I'd have to check the numbers. Yeah, don't, don't put that in unless you check the numbers. Yep. So I guess the question that remains is, since we've got all these new streetcars, besides Portland, obviously, are the new streetcars that are being built any good? Um, not really. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely a valid opinion. (laughs) Uh, Only Portland, Seattle, and Kansas City have achieved, like, any really good level of ridership for rail transit. I mean, Portland, as we said, 15 to 16,000 riders a day. And then Kansas City and Seattle do about 6,000 per day, but their their systems are a lot smaller. Yeah. Most of the other systems fall between, like, 2,500 and 5,000 riders a day. It's not incredible. We should also mention the very extensive New Orleans and San Francisco streetcars. They uh, perform at a similar level to Portland, about 15,000 daily riders. But there are also modern streetcars that have just been like, how do I say this politely, abysmal failures. Like Dallas streetcar, 2.3 miles long, same as that first Portland one, 600 riders a day. (laughs) Am I? 600? 600. 600. Am I correct to think that this is just because they don't have connections to a functioning transit system? Uh, well, no, because they have DART. Oh, right, right. So... So what did they do wrong? I, I'm not sure, but it's it's terribly performing. The same goes for Atlanta. It nets 700 a day, and it has connections to an actual metro. Well, and that's underperforming the S-Line in Salt Lake, That right? is underperforming the S-Line in Salt Lake. Our which fake streetcar. Which is a fake streetcar. <laughs> and Trojan horse. <laughs> and shorter than both of those. So what are they doing wrong? I'm not entirely sure. But I think that sort of the issue with a lot of these really underperforming modern streetcars is that they're built to attract the development, not the ridership. So mm. Portland... We have, they're like, hey, we're going to build this thing to get riders places. And so they build it out. It's super cool. And all these developers are like, ah. But in these places, they're like, we're going to build this to specifically attract development. So they're trying to attract development in hopes of attracting ridership? They're just trying to attract Only development? They aren't aren't as worried about the transit aspect. They just want to use the streetcar for development. So it could be good eventually, but possibly not ever. Possibly not ever. That's right. Yeah, and if we're building new streetcar systems because of the whole problem of getting good rail right-of-way, we really ought to be prioritizing transit right now, and then the development will come. Development follows. That's right. You can you can attract loads of developments so, with any streetcar system. And I mean, in terms of development, like the Dallas and Atlanta streetcars, they've worked. Like, there has been development along the routes. So, so they just got it backwards, though. They've just got They're it a little backwards. They're prioritizing the wrong things. If you're getting the sheer amount of investment that these developers are putting in next to these streetcar lines, you should be able to afford to do some good planning. Well, and that's something I'd like to talk about with streetcar plans in Washington, D.C., because they have a single streetcar line, also about two and a half miles. I don't know why that's the preferred starter length of literally every streetcar line. I think it's to the point where it's just barely long enough to be useful. Probably. And it nets about 3,500 riders a day, not 35 riders a day. That would be very sad. So, you know, 
It's all right. But they have plans to make it 38 miles long uh, and sort of cover the whole part of D.C. that isn't covered by the metro. And I just think that's a really promising project. Absolutely, because D.C.'s metro is not really oriented towards just hopping around downtown. And D.C. is a very dense and very important place yes. that and needs the transit. And a very liberal place. <laughs> we may have to cut that out and just put that in Patreon. But, you know, that always <laughs> does help when somewhere's liberal and trying to build things. Like, Portland's only ever not passed one light rail expansion bill versus <laughs> Salt Lake, where we're struggling to get anything short of yeah. mixed traffic BRT. <laughs> well. And it also helps uh, people like riding trains more, doesn't well, people it? people do Rather like riding buses. trains more. Especially, that is true. Especially in this day and age and in this environment where there's really strong social stigma attached to buses, which is honestly, I think, kind of warranted because the United States has been building bus systems for poor terrible. people, for old people, for college students, for people who aren't otherwise able to drive which further enforces the idea that a car is a status symbol and you would never ride the bus unless you absolutely had to. And I think that streetcars and, I mean, I know a lot of people have valid criticisms of existing light rail systems, but I think streetcars and light rail sort of rail transit, it's not a bus. It makes it a lot easier to overcome the stigma because I remember my first time, like, ever riding transit, it was a train, and I had never even considered it before in my life because I come from a place where all we have is bus service for the ultra-poor and college students. And so I just never thought about it. I owned a car. I was happy driving. I come to Salt Lake. I ride tracks from the university to Trolley Square, and I'm just like, oh, well, that's not too bad, is it? Yeah. And even in Salt Lake, where we've got a very young transit system by yieldy streetcar yieldy standards. standards. <laughs> yeah, by yieldy standards. And it's still developing. It's got a lot of shortfalls, especially downtown. Yes. Downtown is impressively slow. Oh, but well. we still managed to attract really good ridership numbers. Well, and riding a train kind of pushes you towards buses as well. Absolutely. Well, I would have never ridden a bus if I'd never ridden tracks first. Like, it's a little intimidating the first time you step on a bus, to be completely honest. You're like, okay, well, I, there's no rails. I don't know exactly where I'm going. Mm-hmm. You just got to sort of trust it. And taking that first step onto a streetcar where you can see where it's going, it's fixed, or a light rail, or a metro, it's like, it makes it easier to take that step onto the bus. And so in the U.S., we should really be seeking to emulate places like Toronto. I mean, they still they saved a lot of their streetcar network. They still have 52 miles of track. They get 500,000 daily riders on their streetcar. See, that's what we need to work towards. We need to stop building transit systems for poor people, old people, and college students. Build it for everyone. Of course, you know, we're not saying we shouldn't have transit for poor, for lower-income individuals, for college students, and for older people. But building a transit system for everyone is ultimately going to benefit people who are already using the system as well. Absolutely. It only gets better. It only gets better. So, yeah, that's kind of the barrier that streetcars help break. That barrier between poor old people college student bus systems that have distressingly low frequencies, poor connections, that sort of thing, and getting to that point where you can get anybody on rail. And you see, I think that replacing some high-frequency, high-ridership bus lines with streetcars would really help with that. Because if you live along 2nd Avenue, let's say, you're a lot more likely to be like, oh, there's a streetcar there, I'm going to hop that to go downtown to the bar, versus, oh, there's a bus stop. 
Yeah, yeah. and because of that effect, streetcars are going to be able to generate a lot more ridership and a lot more traction. And the more ridership you can generate, the more frequency and system improvements you can get too. Absolutely. It's a beautiful cycle, if it ever gets started. Oh, and if we, we can ever get the cycle started, yeah. <laughs> oh, and did we mention operating and maintenance costs? <laughs> oh, here we go again with the, yeah. Buses are expensive. Buses are expensive to operate always, no matter how you configure them. They're just uh, very expensive to operate. Isn't UTA's figure like $116 an hour for $116 an hour and about 12 rides per hour is the average in UTA. So it translates to about $2 per mile that you take a person is how much it costs in UTA systems. So And that's mostly an effective UTA system being very, very underutilized. Well, sure. A well-utilized bus is a beautiful thing. But We love those. Um, but I would say that Trax is also severely underutilized, and it still manages to transport people at a cost of 86 cents per passenger mile. Because the rail transit is fundamentally much cheaper to operate and maintain. Your tracks are going to last you 50 years. Like, UTA has only just started replacing some really high wear, hard curves on tracks after having them in service for decades. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to go on record as saying that I think we should replace um, buses with streetcars wherever possible. Especially in high traffic areas that need it. But let's let's dream about and imagine like a really nice future where we have Salt Lake Metro and uh, and the whole valley is covered with high density development. Replace them all with streetcars. Yeah. (laughs) Build a web. But you got to start somewhere. You got to build that one real streetcar line. Yeah, you got to build those 2.5 miles in Portland and D.C. Yeah, you got to start generating traction. Yeah. Well, traction. Tra- <laughs> track. Track. Traction motors generating traction. Very funny. All right, well, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, which literally all of you are because we have none, um, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to the Red Line podcast. Uh, please remember to check us out on Spotify, on YouTube, on Twitter, and our website, trlpod. Dot com, right? Yep. yep. All the links are down below for the usual. As and usual. It's a beautiful website. Oh, yes. And our sources are also listed. It's a lot of Wikipedia this time because I was lazy over break. But and, this is, and this is a very survey episode. It's a very survey episode. So um, if you want deeper sources, please feel free to correct us always. We want to be as factually accurate as possible. And have sweet dreams of streetcars. Have sweet dreams of streetcars. 